Hey, welcome to Conversing Labs. This is Reversing Labs podcast where we talk to threat intelligence experts, software assurance experts, generally smart cybersecurity people. And uh, we are here on the show floor at the Black Hat Briefings in Las Vegas. And we, with us, we have uh, two of the presenters from this year's show, Ian Smart and Victor Gazdag, who are both from NCC Group. And you just did a really interesting presentation um, on uh, CICD compromises, supply chain compromises. So um, before we get talking about that, um, just tell us a little bit about the work that you do and your roles at NCC Group. And uh, I'll start with you, Ian. Sure. So uh, I'm the containerization practice lead. I do most of my work in breaking out of containers or pipelines or cloudy things. Um, I've been pen testing for a few years now, and more recently the, the jobs that kind of influenced this talk were customers went, hey, we've got these CLI pipeline things, can you just prod them a little bit, please? <laughs> so we uh, we did, and we broke out of a few and kind of thought we should tell people. Yeah, I was joking that your, your title is containerization and orchestration practice lead, which is... Uh, Lots of words. I'm a, not sure what they all mean. That's a hell of a title. <laughs> Indeed. I, I really, I don't know if you had to explain to your parents exactly what your oh, job they, is. They gave up a long time ago. <laughs> okay. And Victor, how about you? Uh, yeah, I'm a Jenkins Security MVP, and uh, I'm also the Cloud Research Group leader. And uh, I'm recently doing a lot of uh, cloud security assessments. Okay, so um, your talk is called uh, RCE as a Service, uh, RCE Remote Code Execution, um, but it's re it's actually really about kind of it's it's sort of a report out from your field experience, uh, pen testing development organizations, so um, and de and development pipelines, CI/CD pipelines. So first, and and you did this in your talk. You kind of went through what some of the key terms are, but. When we talk about development pipelines, um, what, what are we really talking about? What does that term mean practically? So effectively, it's a string of uh, security or tasks to run when developers write code to speed up the process. So instead of manually writing code, compiling code, uploading that to a production server somewhere, pipelines generally are a bunch of programmatic tasks that just automatically do all of that for you and take some of the grunt work out. And, um, so this is something that NCC Group does as a, as a consultative service that you offer. Um, talk to me about the types of organizations um, that kind of come to NCC Group and um, sort of what brings them to you? What types of issues are they having? Is this merely a sort of we're curious about this and we want answers or are they coming to you after having experienced some kind of a, a adverse incident? Victor. Thank you. Uh, so all kinds of uh, sectors uh, coming uh, for us and asking for help and it also depends on uh, if they had any problems before or they want to you know move their old environment and, and uh, create a new one or they want to move into a cloud native uh, environment or, or create a cloud native uh, pipeline. So it's basically everything. So we do uh, configuration review or test like uh, if something was already done like uh, they created uh, rows and then we can uh, you know review those rows and see if there is any problem with that and uh, sometimes it's uh, even not related to uh, pipelines sometimes it was uh, like in our uh, presentation we mentioned that we started off with a web application and then we 
uh, get access to uh, CI/CD pipeline as well. And uh, Ian mentioned uh, in his talk, uh, in, in his examples, that uh, even like um, a red team uh, assessment or scenario, it's, uh, so it's like every, everywhere. Anywhere. So it may not even really start as a as a red team assessment of the development organization. It might start with something much more narrow, but in your in the course of your activities, you realize that in fact the development uh, uh, pipeline is is implicated. Yeah, so it's not unheard of for us to stumble onto a pipeline and then go, oh, this this looks like a target. Let's see what we can do with it. And uh, the the impact has, as we spoke about in the talk, been quite bad in some cases. Yeah. Um, what? Um, uh, so when and and. Uh, this is something that I think we're talking about a lot. The Solar Winds compromise obviously put the security of development organizations, you know, on the radar. Certainly, even though it's not like a new concept, um, but you know, generally with development organizations, um, what are what are some of the like high level? security problems that you all have encountered in your work? Um, what, what, what's common out there? So generally, um, the security principles that have been around for as long as security has been an issue. So things like uh, RBAC, secrets management, and just a general threat modeling. Um, RBAC, role-based role access, access control. control. Yes, thank you. Um, <laughs> so people running pipelines as administrator users rather than restricting the privileges, people allowing uh, components to have full administrative access over the cloud rather than only what they need. Um, we see that not as locked down as it generally should be. Okay. So the problem is that this is sort of like the trip inside the sausage factory, right? And, and in the end of the day, the purpose of the sausage factory is to make sausage, and the purpose of these development organizations is to produce applications and develop code. And I, my sense is often that encourages a certain relaxed attitude towards you know, security authentication as developers are working to just get stuff going, get code working, right? Um, and, like in, in many ways, like trust is an inherent part of what these, you know, the code that they're developing needs to be is trusted code, is need, needs to have access to certain systems and so on, and data to work. So how do you balance that? How do you balance security within these groups um, without sort of breaking the, the development process altogether? Like what, what's, how do you do that? Uh, we don't do that. The companies uh, <laughs> do that, but um, so we we always recommend uh, something, and we also explain why we recommend something. And uh, most of the time, the developers are actually uh, accepting uh, the recommendations, so they are very welcoming about it. And it's 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 based on the company culture and and what they really want and how they. Uh, or how much they accept about the recommendations because we can recommend everything but it will be up to them if they really implement uh, any of the recommendations but yeah we will try to you know keep it in mind uh, what are the existing uh, processes uh, how can we improve but not really break and make it uh, you know the same uh, flawless that they had before or try to improve that um. One of the issues you brought up in your talk was um, 
the issue of like dependency confusion, right? Um, that what you talked about uh, a customer that you were working with, and basically the you know the um, method of compromise that you discovered what, or that you kind of decided upon was basically just to create your own module um, and then link it. Uh, to, to their own project so that it basically pulled in the malicious code during the build process. Um, so what, um, this is this is becoming more common, right? We're seeing uh, on platforms like NPM and, and uh, Python package index um, efforts to do this by malicious actors. Um, so talk a little bit about how that works um, and what companies, what organ development organizations can do to try and get on top of that particular problem. Yeah, so there's, there's two attacks there. There's the, the first one you mentioned, which was us compromising a build pipeline and being able to specify an external dependency on our own. Yeah. And that was uh, a network filtering problem in terms right. of the build environment could reach our attacker server and we could just specify whatever we wanted. So that was our... A, a network filtering problem effectively. They weren't looking for that outbound connection. Exactly. They weren't doing anything to stop their build servers talking out to the wider internet. Um, and we know that dependencies need to come in from the internet, which leads us on to the, the NPM and Python type attacks. Yes. Um, generally what we recommend is pinning your versions where possible. And as far as possible, and we are aware that this is a hugely difficult problem, doing some form of code review or due diligence on each version, or at the very least, if you're using an external dependency, mirroring it internally and making sure that you've got a reproducible build and that should that package have been compromised, you've got a local version to do analysis on, because otherwise there's every chance that a package is compromised for a very short time, you ingest that package, and by the time you realize something's gone wrong, you've rebuilt your application, the public version's been patched, there's no record, and you've no idea what the, like the impact was. It's exactly, the, especially in the kind of containerization space where right. things are designed to be replaced as quickly as they can. And then the other is dependency confusion, which is, so, so, that, so you talked about just sort of there being an outbound connection to your attack server that they didn't filter. The other attack is sort of dependency confusion where you've got like an internal module and somebody sets up a public module that sort of looks like that or his names has the same name and actually that gets pulled in by, by accident. Yeah, so there's type, kind of typo squatting and typo similar sounding yes, um, yeah. dependencies. Right. There's also various platforms that have a particular search order. So we saw this with uh, Podman defaulting to key.io before the Docker Hub, yep. and people doing squatting attacks against um, the, the kind of core critical images to run various um, containerized platforms. And obviously that has quite high impact if no one notices. Right. Um, again, explicitly d uh, defining where you're retrieving things from, and as daft as it sounds, just reading what you type in very carefully can go a fairly long way to making sure you're not getting something typo-squatted. Victor, you talked about um, you know just sort of paying attention to the plugins that you're using and you know what they do and really kind of understanding like running them, understanding how they function kind of before you commit to them basically. Can you just talk a little bit about that and some of the problems that you guys that you discovered in, in your research just with with that? Okay, so before the talk, I uh, did some research uh, in Jenkins plugins, all about Jenkins plugins, and I was uh, kind of focusing three 
type of vulnerabilities. Uh, one was uh, stored credentials. There was also about uh, cross-site scripting. And uh, well, I forgot what was the uh, server-side request forgery was the third one. So I, I went through systematically on the plugins, downloaded them, uh, sometimes look for the source code and look for patterns. And I also tried them. And then I uh, did a responsible disclosure. So uh, Jenkins has a very good uh, security team and they were very good partners. So we had a very good conversation and uh, yeah, we, they were very also grateful that I helped them to you know, submit these uh, vulnerabilities because they have a lot of work to do and um, I just helped them so they have uh, had uh, less problems. But uh, I just recently checked again the advisory and I started to see a lot of uh, cross-site scripting. So they probably started to look for those uh, issues as well. And um, the big thing is that, or the, the main thing that I always uh, um, say about the plugins that the plugins are developed by third-party people or person or companies, and uh, not about not uh, by Jenkins. So there is there is a couple of plugins, but uh, most of the plugins are are not uh, developed by Jenkins. And that's a huge difference because uh, Jenkins or CloudBees is, is a company and they have developers and, and processes and everything. While the third-party developed uh, plugins, it's like uh, open source free code that you can use. And if if the developer uh, says like, okay, I'm no longer interested in maintaining the plugins or I don't have time to fix a vulnerability, then the vulnerability will be there and uh, you, know, you will get the warning that uh, there is an issue with the plugin, and uh, a lot of companies still using it because they are depending on it. Yeah, I mean, there's a huge kind of layer eight component to all this, right? Which is developers being in a hurry, developers, you know, you know, being human beings, seeing the first thing that comes up in a search result and kind of grabbing that, or not reading down carefully and understanding, you know, what what they're using versus what they maybe intend to use. It. It makes me discouraged that there's an easy way to solve this problem because you know humans are going to continue making avoidable mistakes. Um, but I don't know. Is there? I mean, you talk a lot. For example, you just you talk a lot about the the need for better monitoring within development environments for some some of the you know suspicious or malicious activities that that you all were engaged in as you were doing this these these assessments. So I mean, I guess that's that's one thing that that would help. Um, yeah, so logging and monitoring is only as useful as the team actually processing the logs. So we can say, enable all the logs till the cows come home, and you can have terabytes worth of log data, but if no one's actually reading that, then it's not doing very much. Indeed. And obviously that then there takes... There are companies here that just, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's their whole business model. How many signs are we looking at right now that <laughs> say, know. we will literally do this for you, and we will, we will solve all of these problems? Look, over there. Yeah, no. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, logging and monitoring is great as yeah. long as you've got someone who understands what they're looking at. And yeah. again, that kind of comes back to the threat model e risk analysis side of things. As you yeah. said, these pipelines help developers go faster. Yeah. They also provide security benefits in reproducibility and in uh, automatic pro um, programmatic scanning. So if you've got some tooling that can run on every commit, great, that's that's more testing that's happening. But as you say, they are also just very capable pieces of software that have permissions to do all sorts of things. Yes. And if you're not logging what they're doing yes. and someone does get in, then yeah. you probably should have some logs so you know what they actually did. 
one of the one of the issues you brought up was just the um, the presence of, of secrets. Uh, uh, you mentioned uh, SSH keys and so on, just kind of lying around within your development environment, um, sometimes uh, for no clear reason, um, and that that for in the hands of an adversary obviously can be very powerful. Is there an easy solution to that problem? Either Victor. Secret management tools? Yeah. Maybe? Yeah. <laughs> and there, yeah. There are some of those out here too, yeah. There are a yeah. few of those here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, limiting the scope of the secret. Yeah. Like who can access what? I mean, is this about development organizations just buying and deploying some of the stuff that broader IT organizations have have brought and deployed to just protect user populations? Is that the issue? Or is it we actually need more specialized tooling really to address some of these you know, threats and attacks that are specific to CICD pipeline? Most of the things that we spoke about, and bearing in mind this is more focused on companies' internal pipelines rather than the wider problem of internet-wide supply chain. Yes. Um, yes. Most of the problems we've seen have been misconfigurations rather than fundamental flaws in the software. So a developer or an admin has ticked the wrong box or has put a secret somewhere they shouldn't have and it's just not been found until we came along and pointed it out. And almost every finding that we've raised has been remediated very quickly and the, the issues have gone away. So I wouldn't say there's a systemic problem in what we've been looking at or a need for additional software, more a requirement to pay careful attention to the way you're deploying what you've got. Okay, so final question, you know, for development organizations that, you know, have been operating under the, you know, you know, move fast and break things model, um, but probably have some nagging concerns that uh, they've got exposed secrets, they've got, um, you know, uh, who knows, uh, you know, bad dependencies, they've got um, overprivileged users who are vulnerable. Um, what would your what would your what would your checklist be for those organizations to start getting their security house in order? Uh, contact NCC Group, and we will help you. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll put your contact information up on the screen. Uh, yeah, contact NCC Group. Okay, good. Yep. Yeah, it's um, let's see, uh, network segmentation, uh, robust access control, secret management. That I we isolating development environment. Yep. Yes. Yes. Yep. Exactly. Um, is access control that we mentioned, um, and I, I barely see the auditing and monitoring and alerting that we mentioned before. That uh, even if if uh, an organization have like auditing anywhere, that nobody is checking it, and there is no like no uh, alert, um, like there is a role change that yeah. could indicate some breach or something. Yeah. So there are these uh, low hanging fruits, I would, I would call them, that uh, it's easier to implement and may or probably not break uh, the flow, but it can help and mitigate uh, in a lot of times. Ian? Yeah, I would say start this off as a tabletop exercise and say we've got a pipeline. What can it access? What permissions does it have? What secrets does it use? And who has access into the pipeline? So once you understand what's happening, who can make something happen, and what it's happening to, yeah. and hopefully you have a paper trail and logs of this, you should at least understand the blast radius of a compromised developer or someone who's gone rogue. This is, I don't know if you saw Adam Shostak's a fully trained Jedi or not, but he, he, he talks about the same type of uh, threat model, I guess. For At least the industry's getting consistent with threat <laughs> modeling, we can say that.
Ian Victor, thank you so much for coming over and talking to us. And great job. I really enjoyed your, your talk today at Black Hat. Thank you. Thank you.